This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at SpringerMountainFarms.com. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are on location in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm your host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. And I am Kat Johnson. We are here today at Yafo Kitchen with Chef Shai Farjan. And um, Shai, thank you, first of all, so much for having us in for this incredible lunch. Thank you for, have, for coming here and hope you enjoyed the food. It was delicious <laughs> and there was so much of it. We're all really full now. Yeah. Uh, so Yafo Kitchen is an Israeli restaurant in the heart of Charlotte. Um, you are from Israel. Tell us about your um, very first culinary experiences and what made you know that you wanted to be a chef. Well, first of all, we look at ourselves as more of a Mediterranean restaurant because it allows us to bring some other flavors that are not necessarily Israeli, which also, like, we can do another hour and a half podcast about mm-hmm. what Israeli food is mm-hmm. because... It's a lot of things. Um, but for me, growing up in Israel, uh, my mother's American. Uh, my father was born in Iran. Uh, but food was just a really big part of our family. So when I think about food, I think about getting together and people enjoying themselves. Uh, and I think that's what drove me into culinary. Uh, I just like, I don't know, it gives me a lot of pleasure to see people enjoy food. Um, yeah. Tell us about the, the story behind the name Yafo Kitchen. So Yafo is a city in Israel. It's the older part of Tel Aviv. So the full name is Tel Aviv Yafo. Uh, Tel Aviv is a big metropolis in, in Israel. Uh, but Yafo is the more ancient part. It's about 3,500 years old. It's a port city. Uh, Napoleon was there. Um, it's a really nice city, but it's also a multicultural city. It's one of the only cities in Israel where uh, Jews and Muslims and Christians live in the same city. Uh, it's bilingual, and uh, it's been regentrifying in the last few years. So you have all these like hundreds of year old buildings made of stone turning into restaurants and bars. And for us, it was just a really good uh, example or inspiration of old and new and things that we want to bring people together. Uh, So the name represents that. And tell us about how Yafo Kitchen came to be. Um, How did you start this restaurant in Charlotte? So I came to the U.S. about five years ago. Um, I worked in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Charlotte, uh, New York City, and then back to Charlotte. And uh, I've always wanted to open something like that, something that will represent my, the food I grew up eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been trying to open a restaurant for a while. And then one day when I was almost, deci- when I almost decided not to be in the industry anymore, uh, I met uh, Frank Chabelli, a mutual friend, introduced us. Uh, Frank is probably the biggest or one of the biggest restaurateurs in Charlotte. Um, and a friend of mine just called and said, hey, Frank Chabelli is trying to open the same concept that you're trying to open. And I figured it would probably re- be a very good idea to do it with him. So I met with Frank, and it was just a great experience. I think we have a really good bond. And his vision uh, and my ideas kind of like collaborated together. Um, and I'm very grateful to meeting him. I learn from him every day, and he's a great partner and boss. Awesome. So, um, why why Charlotte right now for this restaurant? Well, 
I'm in Charlotte because of my wife, <laughs> but she's, she's a native Charlottean, which is kind of rare. Um, we met in Israel, in Tel Aviv, uh, and then we came back here. Um, I think Charlotte is a little behind at the moment, but it's kind of a city that on a fast track to becoming a food destination. I think that the uh, immigration to Charlotte from all the other cities is one of the best places to live in in America in 2017. Um, all the big uh, financial industry, all the ba- uh, a few big banks here. And I think that in probably five or seven years, Charlotte is going to be a food destination just as much, I don't know if New York, but as much as Chicago or San Francisco. Um, this is where we're aspiring to. And when I first came here, five years ago, it was a different town uh, in terms of culinary and the restaurants that we had here, and I feel like now it's a big difference, and Yafo Kitchen is a good representation of that. Uh, we feed anywhere from five to 700 people a day here, and it, these are numbers that probably five or ten years ago, you couldn't get people to try this kind of food in Charlotte. Tell us a little bit more about the neighborhood that Yafo is in and why you chose this location. So we're in South Park. Um, which is a neighborhood in Charlotte that is uh, relatively old, um, but it's also a, I want to say, a nicer neighborhood. Uh, We're close to several business centers, and there's a lot of families here. And that's something that we try, as a fast casual, we want to address kids. We have a kids menu. Uh, We have a family meal with our Springer Mountain chicken, which is a whole chicken and a few sides that you could take home and enjoy for dinner. So we chose this area because it's somewhere where we have a lot of families, uh, people that have been in town. Most of these houses around us have been here for a long time. So it's people that have been in Charlotte, know what they have, know what's in here, and I think would be, and they prove to try something new. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have two kids yourself. Um, tell us about what your two-and-a-half-year-old two likes to eat. I got a two-year-old, and I got a five-week-old. Mm-hmm. So the younger one just eats milk. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the older one. Uh, the older one, it's incredible. She eats everything. So uh, I work, I'm here a lot, so, and I'm for- very fortunate to live about 10 minutes away. So on my days that I double, my wife brings my daughter here, and... She eats everything on the menu. Uh, I think her favorite is hummus and tabbouleh. Uh, she's, she started talking probably the last two months, three mm-hmm. months. And, yeah, I saw she was here yesterday, and she was like, eat tabbouleh, eat tabbouleh. Yeah. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing a good job. You have a spokesperson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for her, um, the, the kids' menu is really more maybe about smaller portions, but not uh, limiting the flavors of Yeah, so our kids' menu is like food. more toward American kids. Uh, we have like the mac and cheese with chicken, and we have rice with chicken. Uh, but my daughter comes here, and she eats like hummus and tabbouleh. <laughs> and, uh, uh, she's really into the, you know... Hopefully her heritage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's also talk a little bit more about all all of the amazing things we ate. We started with some meze, and then you also brought out some hot dishes later. Can you just kind of... There was a lot. But can you yeah. walk through at least some of it? Yeah. So we do... The concept is... In Hebrew, it's called salatim. Uh, in other languages, it's called uh, mezes. Um, but basically it's side items. And a lot of the meals, when you go and have a meal, you get a protein, but you have a lot of small dishes like tapas and, you know, Spanish culture, um, antipasti in, in uh, Italian cuisine. So 
we the way we operate and it's a little different and it's hard for people to understand in the beginning because we are a fast casual but we offer a lot of different items that each one of them could be a side or could be a meze uh, so if you go down the line you can either get a bowl or a wrap but you can also get five mezes uh, and we differentiate between the cold and the hot. So for the cold, we had a cucumber tomato salad. We had our quinoa salad with the preserved lemon that we preserve here, uh, which is great. It's a three-month process. Um, a lot of patience, but it's a really good end product. Uh, we had beets with uh, uh, goat, North Carolina goat lady goat cheese and mint vinaigrette and pistachios. We had our uh, roasted pepper and almond um, salad. Uh, what else we did? We had a lot of food here. Um, and our hummus, obviously. So hummus is probably one of the most important things we do here, if not the most important. And uh, so we had hummus with peppers. We had hummus with uh, ground beef and pine nuts and baharat spice that has uh, cinnamon and allspice and rosebuds and uh, pine nuts. Um, and then on the hot side of the mezes, we had our rotisserie potatoes that uh, we use our rotisserie chicken, uh, all the drippings in the end of the night. And we had our Greek yogurt mac and cheese, uh, our Brussels sprouts with dates and white balsamic vinaigrette. And that's where we branch out of Israeli cuisine and go toward, you know, other mm-hmm. parts of the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows us to do a lot more things. So we had the chance to try this um, chicken, rotisserie chicken dish with the Greek yogurt mac and cheese. Um, there's some evidence of your menu being inspired by your location in Charlotte, too. Is that something that you had in mind when you were opening the restaurant, or did that evolve to be part of the menu later? Um, I think that's something that, again, like I learned from Frank, and he taught me that like you have to be connected to where you're at. Mm-hmm. So I'm from Israel. I make Middle Eastern food or Mediterranean food, but you can't ignore the fact that we're in North Carolina. So we use goat cheese, which is a very popular in Middle Eastern cuisine, but mm-hmm. we used local goat cheese. Um, so we were looking for something that will appeal to people that don't necessarily eat falafel, uh, but we're trying to lure them in. Yeah. So if they come in and they get half a chicken and a Greek yogurt mac and cheese, which is kind of like our spin on the mac and cheese, um, maybe they'll try a side of Israeli couscous uh-huh. and they like it. And maybe the next time they'll try something else. So you have it's kind to, of like a gateway drug. Yeah. I mean, you have to correspond with your, with your environment. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's fun to me cause I see sometimes people post on Instagram. It's like, Oh, I love middle Eastern food. And they get like half a chicken with mac and cheese and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a good shout out. It's yeah. not really, <laughs> you're almost there. Yeah. You're almost there. Um, Talk a little bit more about the um, the sourcing too, because a, a lot of the food is local, like the goat cheese. But um, you're also getting some ingredients from Israel as well. Yeah, so we try to get we call it like a local approach. So global food with local ingredients. So if we can get it here, we get it here. If we can't, then we try to source it from the source. So we get it from 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 Israel. So like our tahini, uh, which is something that's fundamental. Like it's it's like butter in Middle Eastern food. Like you have to have good tahini. Uh, so our tahini, we use uh, a tahini that we got from Israel. Uh, our pickles come from there. Our spices come from the market in Yafo. Um, so these are kind of things that we have to get from there. But goat cheese comes from here. A flour, we use um, organic flour from Lindley Mill in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, for our bread. 
Uh, we use we work with a local farm called uh, Street Fair Farm, and we get kale, baby kale from them, which is the best baby kale I've ever had in my life. Um, what dish then, does that go into? Uh, we you can choose it as a base for a bowl, and then we're doing a special one one day a week. We're doing a uh, baby kale and quinoa fatouche, which is a bread salad. Um, so we're Sounds gonna, amazing. Yeah, it. I mean, and it just. So in Israel, it's funny. When I came to the U.S., everybody talked to me about like farm to table and sourcing locally. Mm-hmm. Israel is very, very small. So when I was a sous chef in Tel Aviv, the farthest you can go in a truck is four hours north, four hours south, and an hour and a half west. And then you got the sea on the other, the Mediterranean on the other side. So I would place an order by 11 p.m. and then they pick it at 4 a.m. and I get it at the restaurant at 10, and that's the standard. Yeah. So when I came to the U.S. and people are talking about like local sourcing and this comes from like from Georgia or it's not local, you know, I it was hard for me to comprehend what what farm to table is about because uh, you were already inherently doing that because in Israel. that's the only thing I knew. So like my parents have lemon trees in their backyard. I've never bought a lemon till I was eighteen. <laughs> so it's it's just diff- something different, and yeah. so we try to get as much local as we can. Uh, a lot of the items like. Local farms can't sustain our volume, uh, which is great for us, but not as good for them. So we're still trying to create certain plans with them so we'll like buy everything that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you planning ahead into growing seasons in next year or later in the summer with yeah, farmers? Yeah, we're, we're looking at later in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tomatoes are kind of like my thing, so and this is the best time to get it. Yeah. So. Um, I also want to talk a little bit more about your bread. Tell us yeah. how you're making that in-house. So we have laffa bread, which is uh, it's a flat bread. It's very fluffy. Uh, it's a technical term is like high hydration uh, percentage. Um, it's almost equal amounts of flour and, and uh, liquid. Uh, it's a 90-second bake, and it just complements our food really well. It's super soft. We use it for the wraps, or basically anyone that goes through our queue line uh, gets a bread um, with anything you order. What effect does that super fast bake have on the texture and the flavor of the bread coming out? Uh, it just makes it really fluffy and retains the moisture. So what we do, we, it, when we take it out, it actually, because we bake it so fast, we bake it at a 700-degree oven, and it takes 90-second bake, and then it comes out. It's still not cooked at that point. It sits uh, and steams for another 10 minutes or so, and only then it's cooked. And then we keep it in the Yeti cooler mm-hmm. uh, to, keep, to, to retain the heat. Um, there's only a two-hour shelf life on, on that bread. After that, it declines in quality. So we have to bake it throughout the day. And the fast baking, pro- like we wouldn't be able to, done it, to do it uh, if, it would, if it took longer. Like we make about 700 pieces a day. Uh, if it had been a, a more complex uh, bread, we probably wouldn't be able to make it here. Wow. Well, we need to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and we will be right back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices, too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. 
Learn more at SpringerMountainFarms.com. Welcome back. This is the HRN on Tour show, uh, broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina, at Yafo Kitchen with uh, Chef Shai Fargian. And um, Shai, we were just talking about your bread room and your bed, bread baking process, and we wanted to give a quick shout out to the event that you're doing on Monday at Johnson and Wales with the bread symposium. Tell us what's going to happen there. Yeah, so uh, we worked on our bread with uh, Chef Peter Reinhardt who is a known uh, pastry, uh, baker or pastry chef. And uh, he invited us to the Bread Symposium at Johnson Wells University this week. Um, we are a partner with Green Egg, and we are going to bake our bread on the Green Egg, which is pretty cool. We did some trial runs last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said before, our bread bakes at 700 degrees, and the Green Egg can really retain that temperature for a long time. Uh, and and what we did is we are going to use it to bake the bread, and then we're also going to use it to cook the meat uh, to make the whole wrap. So it's pretty cool when you could use the green egg for both things almost mm-hmm. simultaneously. Are, are you able to talk to a lot of other bakers and bread producers about baking in the big green egg, or are you, uh, is this a whole new trail that you're blazing? Uh, it's, it's a pretty new trail that we're, going, we're walking down, but I think it opened our eyes to do a lot of things, and most of all, it m- made me understand that we could bake, bake, bake that bread outside of the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, our oven is like tailor-made, very specific, like one place in the country makes it. And now I understand that we could use a green egg and cook that bread somewhere else that's not necessarily in that oven. That's really cool. It makes it portable. You otherwise have this pretty super specialized baking operation (laughs) here. Um, That room is uh, really cool because as you are walking through the line, you can look in the window and see the entire bread process the mixer is there you can see them rolling out the dough and the dough rising and the oven and everything so and um, the chocolate chip cookies you see them scooping the cookies yeah <laughs> the cookies are amazing <laughs> can we give a shout out to your pastry chef yes uh i have a very talented uh pastry chef her name is kaylin stewart um and our other pastry chef is chandler edge and they've just done do an incredible job just sustaining the volume of bread that we do and then allowing us to produce these desserts uh, on top of that. It's hard. It's a lot of work. And finding the time um, with the desserts that we just tasted is a lemon olive oil cookie, uh, a Nutella and Valorona chocolate truffle, and our chocolate chip cookie that's probably our most famous for. Um, and we do seasonal desserts as well. Uh, we're going to start doing a, a strawberry cheesecake soon. Uh, last year we did raspberries, so wow. they're yeah. I'm very fortunate to have them. That sounds amazing. Mm. So when you are hiring staff, um, I imagine that you have to do a lot of education around the Mediterranean and Israeli food and ingredients that you're doing. Um, what's your staff training and onboarding like? Well, it starts from the amount of we're very heavy on produce here. So we do a lot of vegetables. So when I hire a new cook, the first thing that they do for the first few weeks is just cut vegetables. Mm -hmm. And that allows them to look into the kitchen and learn and smell the spices and taste the spices and understand the cooking procedures. Um, It's a challenge for us because some people look at this restaurant and see a fast casual. It's like, oh, it's a Chipotle or, you know, a Zoe's. But we cook... 
from scratch here. Everything you ate today was made here, except for the pickles. Everything you, made, you ate today was made here. Um, the only thing we keep in our freezer is bread dough that we roll in bread and then pull it out just to stop the, the proofing, uh, proofing process. So it's a little hard for us to explain the chefs or the cooks how much this food has to be fresh. Um, so when we hire a cook, first thing they do is cut vegetables, um, learn the sauces. Uh, I give them books. I have a few books about Mediterranean cuisine, um, books by uh, all the Autolenghi books. Um, actually, like the Zahav book as well by Michael Solomonov. Um, and um, Chef Inara Admoni that worked with us on, on opening Yafo. She has a very good book called uh, Balabusta. Uh, so I just let them educate themselves by reading and researching. I think I never went to culinary school. Um, so I think reading is a big part of becoming a chef, at least to me. So that's how we start. We start with the vegetables and reading and then slowly I introduce them to the dishes one by one. And um, how many cooks do you have in the kitchen during a given service day? Uh, well, we have one, two, three, four, between five and six per shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a few dishwashers. Uh, and then a chef, an executive chef, four sous chefs. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's more than your usual fast casual probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you have a favorite spice shop in... Charlotte or maybe somewhere else in the U.S. that you like to visit that um, uh, is sort of an intermediate between the super local farms and then going and picking up things in Israel? Um, yeah, we use a store here called Savory Spice Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a good product. Um, no, we use them if we're, we're in a bind. And we use our spices distributor called Schreiber, um, which also has a very good product. Uh, but we try to... Some product, like... Maybe I can swap paprika for a local paprika, but like our cumin is very distinct, the one that comes from Israel, uh, or sumac. Um, we do about 50 pounds a day of the, our sumac onion. Uh, wow. So we had to overnight sumac in order to have enough. Wow. <laughs> so, and what's the difference between sumac from Israel and the sumac that grows on the roadside here? Well... What grows here is poison sumac, so <laughs> I wouldn't recommend eating it. Um, in Israel, it's, it's a different plant. It's a, it's a berry that grows in the wild. Um, it's very citrusy, mm-hmm. and I'll actually bring you something to taste in a few minutes. It's, it's just a very unique flavor that you can't find anywhere else. Um, and if there are some places use a dry uh-huh. Uh, they go and they pick it, they harvest it, and just rub it on meats and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we use the, the, sorry, they use it fresh. We use the dry version. Uh-huh. So. When it's fresh, you make it into a paste? Yeah. Nice. So you take trips to Israel back, uh, back to Israel at least once a year, right? Yes. What are, what are some of like your must-dos or your first stop when you get back to Tel Aviv? So one of the first thing I do, it might sound weird, um, one of the first restaurants I worked for was a Thai restaurant. <laughs> and my favorite restaurant in Tel Aviv is a Thai restaurant. Wow. Uh, it's probably the best Thai restaurant I've been to outside of Thailand. Um, and I used to work there, and it's still hard for me to get a table there now. Uh, <laughs> they, they, like, blew up in the last few years. Uh, so that's one spot that I stop. I go to the market. Um, and there, in, in Tel Aviv, there's a lot of market restaurants. Um, and it's just like you go, 
you smell the product and then you go into like a small restaurant which is in like a side street from the market or a little nuke that just grills meat in the middle of the market and that with the fresh bread from the bakeries from the market it's just you know it's just fresh you can't beat fresh food yeah um well with that i think it's Mm. time to move into our rapid fire round of questions oh wait i have one more question oh sorry we'll do one Um, more Are you planning to open more locations of Yafo Kitchen? Uh, We are. That's actually a great question. We have just recently um, signed on our new location in Plaza Midwood in Charlotte. Uh, Plaza Midwood is um, an up-and-coming. It's not up-and-coming. It's a good... It's a good neighborhood for us. Um, one of our sister restaurants, Midwood Smokehouse, uh, is a very famous barbecue joint. Uh, and we're going to open right next to them. Awesome. So. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we're really, really ready for you anytime you want to come to Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, please. Um, okay, rapid fire. Okay. Okay, okay you ready? Where? Okay, great. What was your last great bite? Um... I had a ricotta stuffed zucchini blossom at Stagione here in Charlotte. Uh, Chef Andrew Dot, it was just incredible. That sounds really good. Okay, they're in season. Zucchini blossoms are in season now. Yes. So or early great. summer. Yeah, it's an early summer thing. Um, what is in your fridge at home? Um, not what you expect from a chef. Uh, breast milk. <laughs> A very small chef, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I got hummus from Yafo at home all the time. Uh-huh. My daughter loves it. Um, vegetables. I got fennel. I really like to eat fennel. Uh, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, and beer. We have a really good beer scene here in Charlotte. Um, I got some uh, copper, OMB copper, Old Mecklenburg, Old Mecklenburg Brewery copper beer, uh, which is my favorite here. Nice. Mm. Great. Um, what is, do you guys cook family meal here for the staff? Yes. So, is there a go-to family meal? So, no, we actually allow our staff to uh, pick whatever they want off the menu for their food. Uh, but most of them go for our uh, shawarma chicken or our rotisserie chicken. Uh, we use Springer Mountain for our rotisserie. Uh, we have a, we marinate the chicken for we use a tumbler, but it's equivalent of 48-hour marination. And uh, it's just like fall-off-the-bone chicken, and the employees really like it. And last question. Do you have um, a piece of produce in the kitchen right now that you're most proud of? Yeah, our baby kale is awesome. Nice. Well, thank you. We are here at Yafo Kitchen with Chef Sharif Arjian. And, Chef, thank you for a beautiful meal and for having us here today. We're super awesome. lucky to have well, gotten to Well, thank you for coming this. by, and uh, hope to see you soon. Yes, we can't <laughs> wait to come back. You certainly will. Um, well, thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are in Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple more days. Catch our coverage at heritageradionetwork.org.